sermon notes. Wait, raise, uh, raise your hand. Anybody need sermon notes? We keep up with me today. You know, we're, we're going to take communion today, and one of my favorite words in the Bible is remember. It's a covenant word. It's God. And if you read in the Old Testament, God said, I remember my covenant with Abraham, Amen. Isaac, Woo. Jacob. I remember Sarah. I visited Sarah. Come on, how many of you want God to remember you? Amen. Come on, we are. And he does. He knows you. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. And so God loves you. God cares for you. God remembers you. God knows everything that you're going through, everything that you've been through. He knows all your ugly thoughts, and he still loves you. Isn't that awesome? And I know you like me. You've had some ugly thoughts. But God is merciful. And God, God desires mercy over justice. We want to we wanna talk about a judgment. I believe in God's judgment, but come on, he wants mercy. And Jesus came and died and has shown us the mercy of God. So we're going to remember some things. I cannot go through all the things because the Lord said, what about that? I'm like, I, I come up with what about this, what about that? But he given me, he's given me nine, or nine, actually ten things today to remember, and I'm going to throw in some extra ones. So are you ready? All right, all right. So number one, we need to remember God's word. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's you heard the word of God is how you came into relationship with God. You heard somebody tell you about Jesus. Somebody told you that Jesus was the son of God. Somebody told you that Jesus lived a sinless life. Somebody told you that Jesus died upon the cross for your sins. And you go, wait, wait a minute, I, I believe that. The Holy Spirit already had you set up. He was already preparing you to hear that word. You see. We didn't choose him. He chose us. He prepared us. He prepared us to hear that witness when somebody said it, whether it was a preacher, whether you was at vacation Bible school like me, or whether you was on the street. Doesn't matter where you were at. When you received the word, the Holy Spirit already had you prepared to receive it. And we need to remember the word. We need to remember uh, uh, we are to hear the word, know the word, and follow the word. Remember, Jesus said, follow me. He told his 12 disciples, and he told others, follow me, follow me, follow me. Well, how are you going to follow him? I don't see him. Well, it's get into his word and follow him. Follow him and through the word and, and learn to follow him and, and recognize. Uh, I'm just going to give you, there's all kinds of scriptures, but I'm giving you two that, that the Lord gave me to give to you. Matthew 26, 75. And this is the ugly part right here, because I've been here. I know you have too. Don't sit there like... Not me, Pastor. But Peter was told, you'll deny me. Jesus said, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And man, Peter did it. And he remembered the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Man, when, when you know that you're not supposed to do something and you've done it, or you said, well, I'll never do that. And lo and behold, you've done it. Mm. It breaks it ought to break your heart. It's called conviction. And the word of God will bring to remembrance of things. Don't do that. And you know what? The word of God will bring up things in your heart that you haven't even read. But when you read it, you go, I, I already knew that. How did I know that? The Holy Spirit. He's trying to keep you. He's trying to protect you. 
You know, when I was a kid growing up, it was don't do this, don't do that. And, you know, and they think, well, God's no fun at all. God is really fun. And he is really fun when you follow him. Then you start stepping into what he has for you and not what the world does. Because the world has some stuff for you. And the end of it is destruction, isn't it? Luke 24, just a quick short 24, 8, and they remembered his words. So remember the words of Jesus. That's just a short little blip there. Remember. They remembered his words. There's 225 times in the Bible it says remember or remembered. God remembered. So, so, so number two, let's remember. And I'm just laying out some good stuff for you because we're going to take communion and we're going to remember these things that God's a good God. I don't care what you've been told. I don't care if you've been preached at that God's going to get you. Where are you going to hide? If God was really a getter, I'd already been got. How y'all like that? It's good country English. But you would already been got too. Don't look at me like, well, oh, yeah, he'd have got you. No, he'd have got you too. But God is not in the getting business. He's in the saving business. And he wants to save you out of what's going to get you. And it's not him because he tells us that the wages of sin is death. Because it, sin destroys us. And, and sin makes us weaker and makes us sick and makes us, or, you know. But God has saved us and delivered us out of that. Thank God for salvation. Amen. And God's a good God. John 10, 10. Jesus said. Who said it? Jesus, Jesus said, I have come. There it is, read it. A thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life. Everybody say Life. life. And that they may have it more abundantly. abundantly. Not just surviving, but a good life, huh? And then my favorite, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good. Not making people sick. Not calling in storms on y'all. You know, because y'all living in sin. New Orleans, New York, California. You know? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You mean if I get sick, I, I got, that means I got a devil? No, but oppression comes from the devil in forms of sickness, depression, or whatever. You have an enemy, and we'll get to that in a minute. But he went about doing good. Now, you can go to the Old Testament and see where God did this, and God did that, and God did this. But Jesus said, everybody say, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If I do something, it's what the Father tells me to do. That Jesus is perfect. Is he not perfect? Jesus is perfect. Then his words are perfect. Then if he's perfect and he went about doing good, that's God's will for you. Doesn't that translate? So we get our doctrine as a new believer, as a Christian out of the New Testament. Okay? I can go into all that, why this and that happened. Let's just, let's just rest in Jesus for a minute. Come on, what he has done. He did good, and he did, when he went to the cross, it wasn't good for him, but it was good for me. He did good on the cross for you and me. And in his doing good, you remember the boy, they opened up the roof and dropped him down because they couldn't get to him, and Jesus said, son, your sins be forgiven. And all the religious people went, oh, who does he think he is? And now I pray for the sick in the altar, and everybody goes, oh, who does he think he is? And Jesus said, what's easier, to heal the sick or to forgive sins? Amen. Nothing's easier. Everything's easy with Jesus. We just don't, we've never been taught it enough. We've never really dug into it enough to know that Jesus is the healer. 
I say it all the time because I'm trying to fight all the doubt and unbelief. It's easy to ask for forgiveness and believe God not to bring the wrath of God on you for sin. But when you get sick and now you're hurting, it's, it's hard to have faith. But you know what? You can have faith to receive. We have to dig in and fight the good fight of faith. Number three, remember, salvation is for all. <clears throat> Lord gave me this a long time ago. I'm going to, pardon me, I'm going to steal this right here. This is Grace, and uh, she's got her Grace bottle with her, but it's for me only. It ain't y'all. I don't know what you're doing with this because this is my Grace. No, it's for all. I've seen people that were delivered from drugs and all kinds of stuff, and three and four years later, they're like, looking at the, you, you know, you're in drugs, or God, he can't help you. I'm like, where were you at three years ago? Come on now. And so we've got to recognize that God can save anybody, even the person you're gossiping about. Because you got something against them. But God doesn't have anything against them. He's calling them to repentance. Amen. And you too and me too. I'm sorry I didn't mean to say that. I just, you know, <laughs> you know I did. Anyway, <laughs> where are we at? Help us, Lord. Salvation is false. Grace for all. Remember that he saved us. He saved us all. And he wants everybody else just like you saved. No matter what they've been through. And uh, in Luke 2, 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let me mess you up your doctrine. How about the thief on the cross with Jesus? He didn't get baptized. He didn't pray the prayer. But he believed in his heart, see. It's what matters. You know, he wasn't baptized with the preacher standing just right or all these rules that men come up with, he believed in his heart and he accepted Jesus, take me with you. And Jesus said, today I'm going to see you in paradise, glory. And so, so, so you look at all that, I mean, he wasn't prayed for, he wasn't this and that and the other, it just messes up everybody's rules. You, 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 hey, if you won't get saved, you got to get right here, right here. This is the spot, because that's where I got it. This is the spot, ain't no spot. Go to the bathroom and get saved. You can go to the car and get saved. You can get saved anywhere. And that person that you're, you're praying for, you need to believe for them. No, don't look at what they're doing. Matter of fact, if you look at what you're doing and it causes you to sink in your faith, the devil's really going to show you some stuff. Don't you stand, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Start believing God for them. Okay. So I was just studying for this sermon today, and I found a video. And they're going to play a video right quick. And I'm going to watch it with y'all. The founder of a Satan church had an encounter with Jesus. Watch this. People know and it's growing. Satanism is growing. And believe me, people, it is. And I had to do a ritual by myself to see how do I get more, more power, more influence. And I did this ritual and I opened myself up. And Jesus appeared. And I was extremely cocky. And I said, if you are Jesus, you need to prove it. And he flooded me with the most beautiful life and energy. I have for a long time believed that I am not worthy 
of God's grace. Let me tell you something today. The kingdom of God is not a gated community. The kingdom of God is open to everybody. If you love Jesus, then make sure to subscribe for more. Isn't that awesome? Now, that may be somebody you've been gossiping about, but see, the Lord's already got him. But you look at somebody in their shit, well, and, and we go, well, I'm not that bad. Now you're a Pharisee. Because the Pharisee came to the altar, and he looked at the man down there saying, Lord, forgive me. And he said, Lord, I'm thank you that I'm not as bad as him. Mm-mm. God wants all to be saved. All to be saved. Even your worst enemy. Number Number five. Four, four, good. Remember, our sins are forgiven. Why am I saying this? I mean, we, we're Christians. We know our sins are forgiven. Because we hold on to them. We go back. Oh, there it is. Oh, gone it. I'm so ashamed. And you start dragging it around again. It's, it's, it's gone. It's past. We're free from it. The question is, can you let it go? And Hebrews 10, 17, and he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God does not remember, but guess who does? We do. Oh, I remember you. That's the wrong memory. Mm. I was was watching a, a preacher, and he was preaching along. And, and he pointed at a, at a lady in the crowd, and he said, the Lord told me to ask you. The Lord asked me, do, do, I, do, I know, do I know you? Do I know your past? Do I know everything about you? And I said, no, sir, I don't know anything about her. And he's talking out loud to this lady, and she begins to cry. And he said, the Lord said, neither do I remember. God does not remember our sin. And then we always quote Psalms 103, 1 through 5 on Sunday morning. But Psalms 103 uh, and verse 12, it's in the same chapter. It's a great chapter. It says this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And, you know, you think you go east and you go around the world and, it's, you know, and it come back to the west side, but actually it's just a straight shot east. And a straight shot west, and never more will the two meet. Your sins have been gone. They're long gone. God loves you. God has forgiven you. And so it's time for us to remember that we got to let it go. We got to let it go. Come on. That's called freedom. I heard one of my preachers that, you know, guess what? We're going to have freedom in heaven, aren't we? You ever thought about freedom, freedom to do, freedom to worship, freedom, freedom this, freedom that? You know what? You're free to leave too. What? But nobody leaves because of the love of God. People go, they receive the love of God, and it just it's transforming. You know, the old old preachers talked about it that they went out in the woods and just got this guy right here and they just said, Jesus, I just need you more. And God just overwhelmed them and it was just like wave after wave after wave of liquid love and they thought that they were going to die. And I'm talking Baptist, I'm talking Methodist, I'm talking Presbyterian people, I'm talking it doesn't matter. 
Come on, God can work through your denomination. It's not about denomination. It's about Jesus. And we need the, the, the liquid love of God to consume us as a church body. Come on, his goodness, that's what his glory is. But I'm talking the glory of God is the goodness of God. You, you think whatever you can think good, multiply it by 100. Because Moses said, I want to see your face. God said, you can't. He said, I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to let you see my backside. I'm going to let you see my glory. I'm going to let you see my goodness. And his face glowed for weeks. They had to put a sack over his head. He scared people. I have to do that because I scared the kids. I'm ugly. So, hey. Mm, number five, remember we have an enemy. Oh, we forget it. We want to say somebody's our enemy. We won't say this is our enemy, but we've already talked in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy. I was listening to testimony of John Wesley. I was telling Clayton about it this morning that he wrote a hymn right after he got saved. He started writing this hymn. He started writing this poem. And they put it to music, and it's a great hymn, but he's halfway through it, and, and these thoughts started flooding him, like, who are you to write a song? Who are you to write a hymn? Who are you to even talk about God's goodness and God's glory? Who are you? And he's quit writing it because the enemy attacked his mind. I've had people say, you know what? I can't, I can't come to church because, man, I, 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 things just go get bad when I start coming to church. Where do you think that comes from? It's not God. It's the devil trying to hold you back, slow you down, keep you from doing what God wants you to do in this life. And he finally finished the song, and it became, it's a great hymn. And on his deathbed, he said, somebody, can, can anybody quote that for me right quick? I want to hear it one more time because it was from God, not me. God got all the glory. I, I want to tell you, you have an enemy, and he is, if, if he can't stop you, he'll push you. You have got to know and recognize, and you need to remember this. You might want to write this down. You have authority over him. Come on. You have authority over the enemy. And sometimes you need to throw him out. I wish you could physically throw him out. I'd run over him for you. But he is not flesh and blood, and our enemy is not flesh and blood. But you still have authority over him. I, I was remembering that uh, my wife and her brothers here, but their grandmother was talking about milking a cow, and the milk, the bucket was about half full. She was milking cows. She only had two or one. And the barn cat came up and stuck his head, not just lapped some milk, but stuck his head down in the milk. Well, she took authority over Well, sometimes you need to on purpose act like you're taking, I'm, I'm casting you out. You know, Jesus cast out the devil. Oh, we don't talk about the devil. Yeah, we don't talk about the devil. He's on every page in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you need to deal with the devil. This depression that keeps coming back and these thoughts that keep coming back, those thoughts are not godly thoughts. And we teach on this all the time because that's, this is the battleground. And the enemy comes right here. And he wants to, you know, he wants to build a nest. You know, Brother Hagin taught it like this, a bird can fly over your head all day long. But if it builds a nest on your head, something's wrong with you. You need to change something. You need to swap it off. You need to get rid of it. But sometimes these thoughts can fly through our head, but when they rest, we got to take authority over it and get out. The Bible says to bind and chain and, and cast out vain imaginations. Hmm? I'm not good enough. 
You know, we think somebody's vain. They're fixing their hair, and they're trying to get all pretty, and, you know, most of the men in here are that way, and uh, y'all miss that. Anyway, this is a vain imagination that I'm not good enough. God could never love me like he loves Denise. God could never change me like he did Clayton. That's vain. You're thinking selfishly. God is greater than you, and he can change you, but he's a gentleman. Remember, God's a gentleman. He has to be invited. Mm-hmm. He has to be invited. Come, Lord. Come in me. Change me. Help me with my mind, my thoughts, my words, my mouth, my actions. Help me, Lord. I bind the devil. I give, the Bible says give no place to the devil. Well, how do you give place to him? By those thoughts. What are you listening to? Come on, recognize, where do those thoughts come from? When I watch that TV show, is that where that thought comes from? When I listen to that music, I'm on a highway to where? You know, don't be listening to that. It gives you wrong thoughts. You're constantly binding and chaining and casting out wrong thoughts. And when we should be filling ourselves up with the good things of God. Get in the book of John. He's the one that God loved. He said, you know, I'm, I'm the one that, that Jesus loved the most. Guess what? You're the one he loves the most too. See, the Bible says that you're the apple of his eye. Well, how can I be the apple of his eye and y'all the apple of his eye because God's that big? You're his favorite. Come on, it's good to have favorite status. That's my brother. He ain't here, but he had favorite status. No, I'm kidding. Y'all, y'all got to get with the program today. Come on, he's, a, he's the God of this world system. Uh, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. There is a curse on this earth, people. When Adam and Eve sinned, a curse, what did he say? Was, remember, remember when they sinned, he said, because you have done this, the earth will produce thorns and thistles, uh, mold and mildew, and all these things that, that we, sickness, sickness, because there's a curse in the earth. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Let's get a hold of it. The curse of sin, the curse of sickness, the curse of poverty, the curse of going to hell. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, I've been redeemed from hell. A lot of people don't like to think that Jesus, he took our punishment. He went to the lower parts of the earth and took our punishment. Hallelujah. You're talking about a champion. He's the Lord of all, the King of kings. Mm-mm. I could go on about the devil, but we're not going to give him that much time. Don't give him the time of day. Fear, worry, doubt. We just went through that series. That's the devil. And, you know, I'd love to say you could recognize him. You know, he's got horns and a pitchfork and a tail and three toes. And No, the devil's got blue eyes and blue jeans. And you better watch him. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy just to take you out. He's a thief and a liar. So we bind Satan. We bind you in the name of Jesus over every person in this church, every person, Lord God, that's hearing my voice right now. I bind the enemy. I rebuke him. I command him to leave houses. When we get home, we're going to feel freer. Our house is going to be full of joy, peace, and the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So be it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number six. Remember, this world's not your home. So if Satan's the God of this world, which it says, there's a world system that we have to come against. We have to recognize that there's a world system 
that's not of God. The devil's working through people. Well, if God's such a good God, Pastor Brad, how come all those people are starving in Ethiopia? Well, we send food over there, and they give it to their army, or they let it rot till we pay a tariff, a tax. And when we pay the tax, they do with the food what they want to, and it's not to feed the hungry. Man is in charge. God gave the earth to man. Oh, boy, I don't want to mess you up, but you know what? God didn't make you put those clothes on you wearing today, and he didn't make you comb your hair. You have responsibility to take care of yourself. I need a breath mint right now. We're supposed to brush our teeth. Come on, if you want to keep them, you brush them, or you ought to have good breath. Come on, it's hygiene. You have to do that. Well, I'm just going to believe God. No, water and soap. <laughs> just saying. So sometimes, you know, I've been used to dealing with youth for years and years. I said, dude, you, dude, you ain't ever getting a girlfriend because I can smell you and you're in the back. You know, I'm talking his language, though. My point is we have responsibility and we have to take charge of our lives and be ready for what the, this world system may bring. Guess what? God is manipulating some things so he can get Jesus to come back and get us out of here. Ho, ho, ho. That's one. That's a remember, too. So, so one of my favorite stories in the Bible is life after death, and it's the rich man and Lazarus. And, and, and the rich man and Lazarus, they both died. Lazarus was the poor man. He ate the scraps at the rich man's table. The rich man was dressed lavishly. He was looking good all the time, and, and, and they both died. And Jesus is telling this story. It's not a parable because he said a certain rich man, a specific rich man, somebody that he knew about, and he knew Lazarus, and he's telling this story. They both died. And it tells us that this world is not our home. And they both, at that time, the, the, the righteous people went to paradise, was right above hell, because Jesus had not yet come and died on the cross and shed his blood, being the perfect lamb of God for the sins of the world. But all those of you read Hebrews 11, they died in faith. They were down there in paradise waiting on Jesus to come, looking for a country looking for a land, looking for a home whose builder and maker was God. And Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and the rich man went to hell. Mm. Story goes on and the rich man looks up and says, hey, Abraham, and I love the story. I broke it down, but, you know, Abraham died hundreds of years before this. But he knew Abraham. How did he know Abraham? He'd never met him. You know, you are known as you are known. You know people. You can look at them and you'll know who they are. The story tells that. And he said, send Lazarus down. Let him dip his finger and touch my tongue. Wait a minute, his body's buried. He's got a tongue. Lazarus got fingers. Abraham has a face to remember. What? That's a spirit. They're alive. And then, here's the crazy thing, is the rich man remembered his brothers. Send Lazarus back to the earth to talk to my brothers because they're not serving God. They don't love God either. They, they serve themselves. And I don't want them in this torment. How tormenting is that knowing that your family members are coming there? Wow. 
we have to recognize there is a hell. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to run away from. And boy, this, you see people in the world, they, I just want to do what I want to do. Ah, worst 10 words in there. It's, it's I, I want to do what the word says. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live for him because there's a heaven to gain. Not only that, you can have heaven on earth. And I didn't say you'd be a millionaire. I said you can have heaven on earth. We tribute too much to money. How about peace and joy? Mm. In this, I want to remind you, he is coming back. And Jesus is coming back. I, and I've heard people, and I've heard people in our church, I've heard people in every church I went to, I want to be here when Jesus comes back. Well, I want to tell you, not all of us are going to be here when Jesus comes back. But you know what? The transition from life to death, I want to give you some peace. It's nothing. It's not painful. There are people who have died and come back, and they said, whoo, I just left this body and went right into glory. Or some said, I left this body and went down, 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 and the further I went, the darker it got. Hmm. But all that being said, it wasn't painful. The transition to this life, there's victory in death. And so, so I want to read you real quick, 2 Peter 3.10, just to remind you, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt and fervor, with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's the heavens in the atmosphere. Nevertheless, we according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus is coming. And you know, we hear all this fire. Come on, that's not for you, child of God. And if you're not a child of God, come on. I don't preach hellfire and brimstone. I've been there. I was on the back row as a teenager, and my tennis shoes melted, you know, and I was already saved, but I was still trying to melt my tennis shoes. I'm like, hey, I just bought these. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Jesus is coming back. Whether you post-trib, pre-trib or not, or you're going through what, it doesn't matter. He's coming back, and we should live like he's coming back. We should live every day like he's coming back, and we need to be reaching out to somebody. But we need to be prepared like, you know what, he may not come in my lifetime. I still need to be, I still need to be functioning. I still need to be available because if, if I'm not working, then I can't help him or I can't help him. I'm too busy trying to find something to eat myself. But the Bible says that we're supposed to work so we can eat, but we're also supposed to be able to, to furnish for people who don't know the gospel so they can know the gospel. And if you're not a, a sender, if you're not sending somebody, then you know what? Maybe it's time for you to go. Ooh. Oh, wow. I don't want to go to West Virginia, Pastor. Them people up there are crazy. They need Jesus. I know. Where's all these West Virginia people? I'm sorry. I, 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 it's all right. They need Jesus. They need Jesus in Louisiana, too. 
They need Jesus in New York City. You ever thought about going there? You just need to be led where God's going to send you. But you know what? I just don't feel led to go. Then you need to be, feel, you, then you, if you're not feeling led to go, I need to get some lead so you can feel it. I had a pastor friend of mine did that because people thought, well, I just don't feel led to do nursery. He said, well, fill this lead and go help in the nursery. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. I don't even know where this is coming from. Anyway, <laughs> the, if you're not a sinner, then you need to be sending somebody. You need to go get extra hours. You need to have a, I, I'm going to give an extra $500 to, so Clayton can go to New York or Tim can go. What, what, that's what we're called to do. Who are we getting saved? Do you know that's we support people who get thousands of people saved? We got to think bigger than who we are. Well, that's just us and no more. No, it's the world that we're trying to reach, and we're going to help people. Now, actually, I've been asked to go, I can't even remember where it's at, but into Europe, do a pastor's conference this year. Hey, let's go, huh? The thing about it is God will send you. Are you ready? Are you able? Start saving. Well, Pastor, we just, all we got is rice and beans. Well, ain't nothing wrong with rice and beans. Put some Cajun seasoning on it. And, okay. Yeah, leave it. Mm. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Wow, nobody's ready. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready to meet Jesus? I'm testing you. He's coming. Number seven, always remember. Remember, remember, we have hope. I don't care how bad it looks, how bad it gets, whatever this world system's doing, whatever is who's people pulling down or whatever, your favorite basketball player falls and breaks his leg, you always have hope. We always have hope in God. In 1 John 3, 2 and 3, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. What it's saying is go ahead and start living like Jesus now. He's coming, and when he comes, you're going to be transformed and be like him exactly. But right now, you need to, just like I said, it's time to start learning how to worship. And y'all think I'm kidding. I've, I've heard testimony of people crawling in heaven because they're just so weak from the presence of God. We need to have God saturate us. We need to be asking for God to saturate us. I'm not telling you that God's wanting to make you weird. That's, people are weird. Okay? If you think, if they say God doing this, well, no, that's you. You're weird. You don't have to do weird stuff to serve God or to be saturated by God. But you're supposed to have a prayer closet. You're supposed to have a time you spend with God and let God get, get, do some weird stuff to you so when you walk out, you've got something to give to people. And it's not weirdness. It's God. God anoints people. God, just, just think about people in your life. Remember, let's remember just for a minute, people that have been in your life that poured into you that changed you. I'm talking about maybe they led you to Jesus. Maybe they was a mentor. I mean, I've got two uncles that, my goodness, man, they kept me. They never said squat to me, but I watched them live for Jesus. They, mm, I got. I want to. That's my goal. I want to be like them. Think about that. Maybe that teacher that spoke to you and encouraged you and gave you hope. I can pass this class. I think I can pass this class. 
There's, God, there's always hope in Jesus. And you can't lose hope. Because when you lose hope, then you want to quit. If you feel yourself losing hope, here's the challenge. Go do something for somebody. But I need, uh uh-uh, go do something for somebody. And your need will be fulfilled. God will fulfill, fill you up on the inside, and you can, and and then you're going to hear that, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you got your eyes off your problem. I don't have a car like they do. Who cares? You're still not walking. Or if you are, start believing God. Let me talk this way for a second. Quit getting tattoos and buy a car. All right. I had a young man just right out of youth, and I was like, well, I need a car. I was like, dude, you just spent $700 on that. I went to a car. That's cool and everything, but you need a car. You're going to work every day. I'm just, come on, God gives us wisdom, okay? That can, that can wait. Mm, I'm sorry, being a dad here for a second. Number eight, always remember there's victory in Jesus. I could go on and on, but, but, but here, the primary reason for victory in the chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is victory over death. Come on, the most dangerous people in the world aren't afraid to die. Oh, oh they're, you know, they may be afraid of that bullet wound, but they, that's the crazy ones. It's not the barking dog that'll get you. It's the one who's quiet. My uncle had a... Uh, Rockwaller, or actually it was a Doberman, and that thing was so huge, and it would run out when you drove up and just, don't get out of the car, anybody, we're just going, you know, you need to be dangerous to the devil. God has called you to be dangerous. You've already got the victory. You don't have to be afraid to die. You don't have to, you're going to heaven. Hey, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to get there, but if, if, if I fall out today, if I, something happens, Boom, you don't, don't even cry over me. Grin, I know where he's at. He's in heaven. We have got to come to the place that there's victory even in death, but there's victory in everything in life. God will give you the victory if you will hold on. And, and the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So if it says don't be weary, that's what? That means you can become weary and quit. He said, amen. All right. Nothing wrong with that. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Are you steadfast? Let's get there. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God wanting you work for him until the day you die. God's wanting you to be that light, be that witness. Call your grandkids in on your deathbed and tell them about Jesus. Hmm? God is wanting you to do something for him. How about tomorrow? Well, I got to work. We all do. But in the midst of work on break time, but you can pray while you work. You can talk to people while you work. You can be a witness. The hardest thing about the revivals that are going on across the country is they're, wanting, they're doing 24-7, and that is you've got to work. People have to eat. If you're in line eight hours just to get in the building, 
Well, you're exhausted before you get in there, but the presence of God's overwhelming, but you still have to go to the bathroom, still got to eat, still got to pay bills. Even revival, if we had revival here every night, and we did it six days a week, it would be exhausting. Not just for me, but you're going to come, you're going to be exhausted. The greatest revival is a revival where you feed yourself daily in God, where you are full of God, that you are not afraid to die, that you know who you are and learn and learn who you are and become powerful. And you, you take revival with you everywhere you go. I love it that they're having the, the, the Bible, or not the Bible, but many prophets have said in the last day, revival is going to come to the young people. And there's a movie out, and it's in a timely, talking about the Jesus Revolution, and talking about the hippies getting saved. Most of those guys are in their 70s and 80s right now, and they're leaders in, in the body of Christ. And that revival swept this country. And it, and it brought in a charismatic renewal. It come, and, and what was that? The Catholic people were getting touched by the Spirit of God, uh, overwhelmed. Baptist people, Methodist people, all denominations were being touched by God. Come Lord, right? We want God to be here and touch us. Amen? Can you agree with that? So, so let's remember the most important thing we can do in this life is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know, there's all, all kinds of things. You don't have to pray. You have to believe with your heart, and you have to say it with your mouth. Even the thief on the cross said he recognized him. He knew that this man was the Son of God. He didn't have to say it, but he said, take me with you. It's basically saying, I believe in you. And what I'm asking you today, will you, have you accepted Jesus? I want you to look at me just for a minute. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never, then you need to accept him. You need to receive him. I believe. Say it with your mouth. Did you believe that Jesus basically, okay, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for the sins of the world, for my sins. He rose again the third day. That's our Jesus. And I know he's real because when he rose, he said, before he died, he said, I'm going to send my spirit. And my spirit's going to be with you. I'm going away, but I'm sending somebody just like me. Guess what? I have his spirit on the inside of me is how I can stand up here and say these things. How unreal it, that somebody would be raised from the dead after three days. That somebody would die on the cross, the most horrible death. Google it. Look at the doctors crying about it, how horrible it is. I don't want to think. I can't sing about the cross. A doctor knows that that, that, that nerve that runs through the, the wrist right there and the nails in his hands trying to breathe. The pain it was to take a breath and then the pain to breathe. Jesus did that for us. Our hero, and he did it for you. So bow your head and look at your heart right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never, and you want to, because God's a gentleman, you have to ask him to come into your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I've never really accepted Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Now. Anybody else, just for a moment, first time, never ask Jesus to come in your heart. We thank you all for lifting your hands. How about you're in the room, and you know what? I, I just haven't been living for the Lord, and I haven't sensed his presence in a while. 
I'm going to lead them in a prayer and you in a prayer, but we need to have some assurance that we know that we know that we're a child of God. That assurance, it's not headspace, heart space. You know in your heart. If that's you, I just want you to pray. We're going to pray with these two. And y'all pray with me. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe all those things, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, but he became sin for me, died on a cross, rose again the third day. So come into my life. I believe in you. Have your spirit stir in me like never before that I know that I know that I know say that I know that I know that you are God without a shadow of a doubt in Jesus name Amen